good news. You started a company. Now you have to run it. When you look out into the sea of CRMs, it can look extremely blue. But HubSpot is here to give your company a more human approach. We're a CRM that's easy to use, aligns all your teams seamlessly, and delivers a better experience for your customers. So your business feels like a helpful partner and not just some company trying to force a sale. There's a better way to help grow your business by connecting your people, your customers, and your business. HubSpot. Grow better. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. So I'm going to start off by telling you about a local place that my wife and I like to go. Many listeners already know that I live in South Korea. And um, if you're a foodie, you're going to love the start of this. So let's just go through here. And I promise that uh, the details are relevant to our topic today. So it's a kind of um, Japanese style izakaya, which means it's a smaller place you would go in. And maybe you might sit right at the bar while the while the chef uh, prepares smaller dishes behind and you you like what you're having you might order something else and get another thing um, you're typically people are going there and drinking as well so you might have some sake maybe wine um, and beer now at his place he also offers the korean soju which would be like a four dollar bottle which is a great option if you're trying to really go cheap and um, what what's really great about this place is that it's um it's obviously as i said quite small but it's really high quality and it's become very popular. So we go in there and there are three tables that seat four and one table that seats two. And there's a few places at the bar, four or five, say. If my wife and I walk in there by ourselves, we go immediately to the bar or maybe sit at the two-seater. I've seen times when people come in and there's like one four-seater table left available and a two-some comes in and he just tells them, no, sorry, you can't because it's so busy that there's going to be a foursome coming in sooner, soon enough. And I see the, sometimes if we get there on a, on a busier night, then he's just constantly rejecting people. And he doesn't really do it in a a kind of a kind way. He doesn't really smile at anything. It's almost like the soup Nazi on Seinfeld. It's kind of like, you know, you just kind of accept like, Oh no, you can't come in right now. And people just kind of go, okay, whatever, just for this guy. Um, And on that, um, it is true that for, Actually, I want to add this as well, that I recently had a friend and his wife stay over at our house last weekend and we took them out to this uh, to this place because we, we like to show – we like to take our friends there when we do have them over. And as we were enjoying some of the sushi or sashimi set that we, we usually order, we were having it piece by piece. And as we were enjoying it, she said, I feel so rich. And this is exactly what I feel like when I go there. I feel like it's a place of luxury. I feel like – and my wife and I originally started going there only on special occasions. Now we go basically probably twice a month. Um, now, let me tell you a little more why, about why it's special and what's, what's, what makes his, his food so good. And again, I promise it's relevant to our point. And I'll start with telling you about the main dish that we order when we go there first anyway. Um, it's a sashimi dish. And... I don't know much about fish myself, but my wife knows all about it, and she tells me what you know what we're eating. What's this one, and what's that one? And it's thirteen different cuts of various fish, and which is for her, she said it was quite amazing the price that you get it at, which is part of the luxury we feel when we go there. We she can't believe that we can get this 
this variety for that price. Typically, you would you, you might if you got that much um, f- for the price of that, you might get all salmon or all flatfish or something, but not thirteen different cuts of various fish. And um, it, we're, it was a mystery to us, but yet we just accepted it and kept coming. And um, for the first handful of times we went, we didn't really talk to the guy much. As I said, he was a little bit. Uh, you know, not not a not a mean guy, but just a, not an overly outward, uh, outgoing kind of guy. But one day, after a handful of times having been there, he started to recognize that we were regular, and we were there earlier, and there was nobody yet there yet, and we were right at the bar, and and he got into a conversation with my wife. She was asking him a bit about some of the stuff, and of course, expressing how much we appreciated this food and how it was so great and all that. And that kind of warmed him up, and he was telling her all about it. And, of course, once he got on his subject, he was pretty excited to talk about it. I mean, not uh, certainly not uh, excited the way I might get excited, but he, got it. He, was, he was quite into it. And he was telling about, well, you know, a lot of places can't do that because they don't know how to go choose the fish, and they don't know how to keep it all, and they don't know how to do this and this. And he was explaining all the ways he was able to have this stuff available when he needed it and was able to sell it for that price. And it was all very impressive to me. Now I'm going to bring it to the part that's relevant to the sh- to the point of the show today, which is one time we were sitting there, and I think pretty much that day when he was telling us all about that, I was looking back at behind at what you would call his kitchen, the small little area behind, and it's a small kind of it's almost like a dive of sorts, right? But it's 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 very very good, um, and you it looked like kind of. It's not unclean. It looks clean, but it's kind of like dingy or something back there. And I just thought in general, the whole thing, the way he had the – he's pulling out all the fish in front of us and some Tupperware and opens it. And then he unwraps this plastic wrap and then you just see it sitting there while he's busy working on some other things. And and I just – it just occurred to me. I just said to my wife, I was like, you know, I don't think this place would be possible in Canada. And and I I just said, I just don't think it would like – Pass safety standards or something like that, and uh, and I wasn't saying it in a way of like, what's wrong with this place? I was saying it almost like, geez, that's too bad if we were at home, and it's such a shame. And then I went further about it, and I and I started you know acting acting out the scenario, and I said, just imagine for a second that like this dude comes up behind us and says. Uh, what's going on here? And I said, oh, we're just enjoying our, our, our dinner here. He goes, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. You can't do that. You can't have this. And I would be, what do you mean? Uh, and he goes, well, it's not safe. And I was like, well, what do you mean it's not safe? Like, I think we're fine. It's okay. He's, he's explained to us how it works. He goes, well, no, no, no. You see, you have to keep the fish at this temperature and do this and this. And if you don't, then it's unsafe. And I was like, well, I've eaten here several times. Thanks. And I don't get sick. And it's very popular. And people come in all the time. And nobody gets sick. And everybody loves it. So I just don't, you know. We're good. Thanks. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I, I can't let this go on. I'm going to have to shut it all down. And then he just kind of comes in and writes up our guy and does whatever, right? And I, and I just thought, yeah, that would be – that's the scenario that may occur. I mean it wouldn't happen like that. But this is essentially what it is. And look, guys, this is not a partisan issue. This is not about right and left. If you, you know, if I asked a Republican or conservative what is the what is it, what are the principles of that party – they probably wouldn't be able to even describe to me. I get if I ask fifty different ones, I get fifty different answers. If I asked liberals or Democrats, what is the political principle you stand by? I don't know if they'd be able to articulate one. I think they just kind of know and feel, and I think people generally do feel and know the general vibe of one or the other. But um, and then they are kind of partisan to one. And if anything sounds like something of the other, then they go against that kind of thing. What I want to do instead is that I think it's a lot easier to deal with our lives and to deal with 
political situations, right? And, and understanding what are the principles that ought to guide social relationships. And when we do that, we can start to judge ideas as they come and not just um, kind of get on a team and then just stick with that team right or wrong, my party right or wrong, my country right or wrong. Um, because when you do this, and when I do this, I find myself criticizing both sides uh, at least as often as I criticize the other. All right? So um, the political principle here I want to lay out is individual rights and what that means. And in this case, I know a lot of people think that a regulator like this is probably that comes in and, and says such as uh, as in my scenario is probably trying to protect people and trying to maintain safety standards but for me it's like i don't know why i want to trust that guy when i have this expert here who's a master who's been working at it for decades and knows what he's talking about and explains to me why and plus that i just really love what i can get here for this i mean look we you know we eat this stuff and, uh, and, and I honestly, I sit down with my wife and we, we take one. We say, which one first? We have one each. We put it in our mouth and then I often have to put my chopsticks down and I just sit back and go, oh my God. It's almost like, again, if I'm going back, you get Seinfeld references on this show uh, all the time. But uh, if you go back to the soup Nazi, it was like Elaine ate the soup and then she just goes, I got to sit down. This is how I feel when I'm eating this guy's stuff. And we've eaten there probably close to, I mean, certainly dozens and dozens of times, 50 times, and I've never gotten sick. And people go there all the time. So the idea is, what is the idea of this, of this person and this regulator? Is it to protect me from what? And I want to ask, whose rights are violated in this case? So I would say that nobody's rights are violated by us going there, but if... We, he gets shut down because of that. His rights, the, the, the business owner and the restaurant owner's rights get violated because he can't offer what he wants to offer and operate his, you know, um, pursue his livelihood. And then, of course, our rights are violated because we want to eat this thing right here. And we're adults and we, we agree. And so is everybody else that goes in there. So we're going to take that one as one example. And I do want to say as well right now, this is not just me knocking on Canada or anything like that either. It's, I mean, it's the same in most Western countries. And in Korea itself, there are plenty of other areas where I would say Canada is way more free. So it's, it's all about various areas have various degrees of, of rights violation, regulation and versus freedom versus not. So there's all kinds of stuff and I don't want to make it out like it's that. And in fact, I, I'm going to give two more scenarios to, to, to lay it out on us and really let us induce this principle but and, and the third one's from korea so um anyway like an example of korea um, violating rights according to what i'm trying to put out here so the second one is this there are everybody's heard of korean barbecue and this is another one for you foodies korean barbecue it's it's fam- it's world famous now but what a lot of people don't really quite get when they try to have it in in western countries is that in korea it happens with live coals live burning coals at your table, right? So whether it's pork or, you know, various kinds of pork or various kinds of beef, it's a chicken one, cooking eel on there, or you have some various intestines and all that, which I do love, but that's another story for some people. It's, um, these restaurants, 
they just get the coals, they prepare the coals outside and a thing, and then they come walking into the restaurant. The guy puts it, puts a, uh, you know, holds it with a rod, and then he comes walking in and saying, "Excuse me, everybody," and he, you know, he comes to your table, just move your shoulder. Oh, look out! And I say, "Oh, yep, go ahead." Puts it over my shoulder and drops the hot, burning coals right in the middle of the table. And these places, by the way, it's not just a couple specialty places. They're so ubiquitous that they like there are seven or eight just behind my house over here. There's several, like a dozen over there, just the in the other next neighborhood. They are everywhere, and they are like family restaurants. There's kids all the time in there, in these kind of places. Like families go there to have some pork belly or something like that. That's what we're eating tonight, and you know it's just part of the culture. And again, it occurred to me that. This wouldn't be possible in Canada as far as I know, in, at least in my hometown. I imagine the idea of like, you know, let's bring this home. What if I said to my wife, let's bring this home and we can open up a restaurant like that and it'll be so cool that we'll, we'll have the coals right in the, in, you know, in the middle of everybody and it'll be like kind of this hip place that everybody will want to try, like bring some culture to, to uh, you know, our home. And I just feel like it couldn't happen. And in fact, when I was home in Canada for a time, we went to a Korean barbecue restaurant and they had the electric one that you could use too. So there was heat at your table, which seemed, you know, semi-dangerous, but they certainly didn't bring in burning coals. And, but what I wonder is, again, the question is why? Why not? And I guess the first thing is, well, it doesn't, it's not safe. But again, who decides what is safe and what isn't safe? I mean, you know, you could say, well, I don't think it's safe and a lot of people don't think it's safe. But what about people who want to go there? What about, you know, first of all, so if I went in, again, the question is, guys, we want to ask is not what what party does this sound like or, you know, wait a minute. What are you does this? What are you what are you trying to say? And what kind of what kind of team are you on here? I can't figure it out. I'm not on any team. I'm trying to induce a political principle that helps me decide whether something is good or not. And again, the principle is whose rights are being violated. That's the question I want to ask. Whose rights are being violated when somebody has a restaurant like that and then somebody goes to it? Your rights are not being violated if you don't want to go there. But the restaurant owner's rights are being violated when they're stopped from offering a service that the customers willingly go to. And of course, the customer's rights are violated because they cannot go. And I... and. I, I know that a lot of people would just say, but yeah, well, that's fine, but how am I protected from it? And the answer there is very simple. It's the same as uh, earlier, which I didn't say, but at the other place, you don't have to go there. If you don't think that this place is clean enough or that the raw fish is safe enough or you don't like the idea of burning coals coming, then don't go. I mean, I can hear people saying, but what about these kids? I mean, we can't bring, I would never bring my kids there. Again, the answer is you don't have to go. And, but at the end of the day, why are we trying – I don't. what I am always confused about is why are we trying to stop other people from doing it? Why are we trying to poop the party all the time? Like who are these busybodies, these regulators that come in and say, you know, I don't, I don't think this is safe, so I'm going to shut it down. And I don't – I still cannot get it. Um, and I think what happens is a lot of people lose a lot of good things and I think that – that what we what what they do, I think that they're often made in the name of safety or in the name of fairness and all this stuff. But they are actually just shutting things down and preventing innovative, great ideas from being born and from people enjoying things that they might otherwise that they, that they won't be able to enjoy. So, or that they otherwise could have enjoyed. Um, 
you know, and I'll tell you something about about it in general, by the way, uh, for a fact. I've lived in Korea close to on 18 years now, and I have never seen anybody get hurt. Not a drunk guy stumbling, not a kid. I've never heard of it, and I know a lot of people. I've never had a friend come talk to me. Oh, yeah, it was last weekend I got, you know, some guy got burnt with the cold. I've never heard of it, never seen it. And that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I'm sure that it has happened in the history of Korea. This is crazy. Guys going with coals everywhere. I'm sure somebody has, uh, you know, a drunk guy stumbled into one of the guys or a kid was running. Fine. But again, it's up to you to judge whether you want to go or not. And it's up to each individual to judge. This is what's called individual rights. And um, so it's not up to somebody else to decide what safety is for me, for adults. Uh, consenting adults is what it is. So again, guys, the whole point of this too is that what you want to do is derive principles. You can see clearly that when if I want to define rights, by the way, I'm not violating a right if I withhold something from you, right? If I, what I mean is if I don't give you something, as me, Matthew, doesn't give you something. I'm not violating your rights. I'm violating your rights if I stop you from pursuing what you want, from taking, from you taking action to try to get what you want, and I forcibly stop you from doing. That's the only rights violation. And that's, incidentally, what government exists for, to protect you from people like me who would try to stop you. So in all of these cases, the, the two cases we've seen so far, you can see that there is nobody forcing me to go eat this restaurant. There's nobody forcing me to go into the, the barbecue place with the coals. And, and, uh, and, but on the other hand, there is someone in the case of the one stopping us from doing that, stopping the owners from operating those kind of businesses, stopping the customers from going in there and patronizing those places. There is a rights violation. They're telling me you cannot do this because I don't think it's safe. And that's where I find you know, what governments become the biggest rights violators in these cases. I want to give you one more to round it out because when you're trying to induce a principle, you need a few examples of various things and then you see what's a, what's what they have in common and induce a principle from there. So uh, I had this one. This happened in Korea and I brought it into my students one day to discuss. I brought in this article from the Korea Herald and it was discussing the Avengers movies. And what happened is um, obviously the Avengers series has been popular since it came out like 50 years ago, I think was the first Iron Man movie. But anyway, it's like it was it's popular around the world. But in Korea, it's mega popular. And I'll tell you what, when something becomes popular in Korea, it's wildfire. I just need to catch one Korean wave on some good idea and then I can retire for life and then I'll be doing this. But um, but look, it was wildly popular in Korea and it still is. And uh, it was at the time of Endgame when that came out, there, you know, it was something like 80% or no, I don't know if that's true, 80, somewhere in the 80s percent of, of screens were occupied with that. That's how much people were out going out to see it. And of course... What happened with the party poopers? They thought, I don't like the sound. This doesn't sound fair to me. And there was the article included quotes from some of the different bureaucrats talking about, we're talking, discussing, they reopened talks about these screen ceilings and put a ceiling on how many screens um, would be allowed to show one movie. And of course, I, I discussed with my students, what do you think about that? And they said, yeah, because it is, you know, you know, you have to give other people a chance and all this stuff. And they started to see that until we went into it and talked about it in terms of principles. We talked about it in terms of rights. And you asked them, if 
I have a, if I have a, a, a movie theater and I have a couple screens, they have two or three screens, and then I want to add another screen. I save up enough money and I add a fourth screen or something, and then I've got people coming to my theater and they've got their family with them. And what do they want to see? I want to see Endgame. And I say, well, come on right in. I guess I'm going to show it on all four of my screens because everybody today seems to want to watch Endgame. But then what if we have the bureaucrat come over and go, what's going on over here? Well, I'm just, we're, uh, we're just, I'm showing movies and these people want to see movies, so it's really great, isn't it? Well, no, I, I don't really like that. Uh, I don't think it's fair that, you know, I, I don't like that, that, and that this big movie gets to have all the, all the patronage. And what about these other artists who don't get seen? And you might think for a moment, yeah, that sounds pretty good. But look, nobody, you know, it's, it's my movie theater. And it's these people's choice of what of what they want to see. They don't want to see those movies. Look, I could say the same thing. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a little secret. Not too many people are listening to Mr. Brightside. They're all they all want to listen to Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan. And uh, you know, I don't think that's fair. So I'm going to get the government to do something about it. Look, you know, I don't believe that, right? Nobody nobody wants to listen. That's you know, not everybody does has deserves an equal chance. Now, if somebody's blocking me from from being listened to or blocking a movie from getting shown uh, when somebody wants to watch it and when somebody wants to show it, oh, I'll be the first person there to defend them and to talk about rights. And guess what? I'll be able to do it because I'm standing on a principle. I'm talking about individual rights and that would be a clear rights violation. So as we put it, I said to the, to the students, okay, so you've, you want to show it and the people come and want to see it. Whose rights are being violated? And they go, uh, and, and of course they understood that nobody's rights were being violated in this case. It was, it's not a rights violation to not want to see something that you don't think is any good. You want to go and watch what you want to get. You want to eat what you want to get. But they were able to see finally that when we come and say you have to shut down your fourth screen and show you know, Mr. Brightside on it, then, you know, that is a violation of the rights of the movie owner. And it's a violation of the rights of the people who came and you send some of them home or you say, well, no, you got to go watch this one today. You can come back next week and maybe watch it. I mean, you can see very clearly, guys, that this is what, that you hope you can see very clearly that this is a principle. And again, it doesn't fall in in any tribal partisan uh, issue here, right? I mean, I see so many times where I'm on the side of liberals or Democrats, what you would call, because because they are on the right side of individual rights, and people and, and there is a, there's another side or something that wants to um, limit people's uh, social freedoms in, in a lot of cases in that one. And then I find myself agreeing with some Republicans or conservatives, what you would call. Um, on some issues where the other people are trying to shut down things in the name of safety or in the name of fairness and whatnot. So in my view, all these parties and all these politicians are violating rights all the time, left, right, and center. And, and what I hope that you can do to help yourself think about political issues is to hold the principle Hold principles, not just this one, but this is the probably the central one. And then from there, hold other principles. Decide what is my principle, not what is my team. And then you can be more more effectively judge and defend the you know the rights of people. And and it's not just about you know being right in a political conversation or something. This is a politics for me is not about. 
Um, it's about it's important because I'm all about human flourishing on the show, and what are we? What human flourishing requires is to take the actions you think are necessary to pursue your own values and gain and achieve your values and build the best life that you can build, um, including consuming the things that you want to consume and to offer and produce and offer the things that you want to offer for trade. And when we are blocked from doing that, people's rights are violated, people's lives are destroyed in effect uh, or at least they're very much hampered and not and and they aren't allowed to thrive to the extent they might and also what's more is that in the community as a whole in the greater society things that otherwise would have come into existence don't get, get brought into existence right i mean in my hometown we don't have these korean barbecue restaurants which we might have i'm not saying we would have had them but we might have had them um, we certainly wouldn't have places like Tama Ten um, in Canada. Actually, we were visiting home several years ago, and my wife took actually a, a sushi course or something with some guy um, who was a Korean guy operating a restaurant there, and he was telling her all about how you how you, you know you had to have it in the you, your fish in the freezer up until a certain point before you served it. You weren't allowed to just serve it kind of fresh. Um, that's just I and you know. Uh, that's kind of part of partly culture. People don't do that much, but still, it was like a, a regulation. And here, people just they just catch it out of the, the sea. They go to the market, they get it, they cut it up, and they put it on your plate and you eat it. Um, but anyway, that's kind of a, a, a different thing. But again, I found that the price at that place, and we both found it, was prohibitive, prohibitively expensive. It was like we wouldn't be able to come here very often at all. We went and tried it, and it was good. But we can have things like that all the time around here. So. Look, again, it's not about Canada versus Korea or anybody versus anybody. It's about, it's about political principles. The principle here that we've, we've derived is individual rights. And the opposite is what I'm saying is party pooping because it's not about – you can see that it's not about safety. There's no safety issue with the coals. There's no safety issue with Tamaten's food. So what is the issue? And then the, the issue – with the movie theaters and Avengers and Endgame is not was nothing to do with fairness. It was it's unfair to not let people do what they want. So again, we have these terms that sound good. I'm just here for public safety. I'm here for fairness. But really, what's happening is we are we are stopping things from coming into existence. We're pooping the party, and I don't understand why people would would have to do that. So again, for me, it's that if you don't want to go. Don't go. If you think it's unsafe, don't go. If you think it's unfair, then patronize someone else or buy their product. But what you can't do is force other people to abide by your standards of safety, your standards of fairness or whatever, or your tastes, right? And certainly not governments. So I don't need to follow the government's tastes as to what movies I have to see. I don't need to follow the government's idea of what safety is because they might not know. And look, guys, one more thing on top of this is that when you do have this safety standard, right, then guys and masters like our Tama Ten chef, he doesn't he, – he can't go ahead and innovate as to newer, better uh, versions of safety, uh, especially on newer products and things that people want to try. We don't even know how can you make sandy st safety standards. So there's that on top. So there it is, guys. I just think especially for younger people too, we don't really hear a lot about this kind of stuff and we don't really know how to think about politics and therefore we feel obliged to join some kind of team and that's typically whatever seems to be the one that, that emotionally feels good to us. 
And that's not going to work because what we'll get is is a society where it's just not thriving to the extent that it might. It doesn't include all the innovation and all the exciting products and ideas and fun services and foods and all the great stuff that we might enjoy gets shut down. Um, look, I know that this is uh, this sounds controversial to some people, but I think you know. Again, I've tried to put out that I'm not on any particular side, or particularly think any politician or any party represents any much of what I have to do with in 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 terms of politics. And this is why I like to talk about understanding and studying political science or political philosophy instead of politics, because I find politics is just a lot of um, emotional uh, yelling a lot and, uh, and partisanship. So, um, but, uh, I, but I'm very happy to talk more about it. There's, there are so many more examples uh, on, and maybe some examples that, that counter and, and maybe, um, challenge what I say here. So I would love to hear, um, I'm really happy to take on questions from anybody. You can do, send your questions to matthew.asknow at gmail.com. You can also go to the Mr. Brightside Facebook page at Mr. Bright, uh, facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca. That's a great place to go. I really love to hear um, some questions about it because I don't think, oh, case closed, mic drop, it's all over. I mean, I think it's a good start, but obviously people go, but what about this? What about that? And I'm really happy to go further on this for, for people who want us to understand more. So, guys, um, that's all I have to say for today. Um, I hope to hear from you and uh, just go enjoy the, the, you know, the good things that exist around your town and, and uh, hopefully we can um, have – innovators bring more great stuff to us that we all can enjoy and and live better more exciting fulfilled uh, lives okay guys i'll talk to you guys next time see you later mr brightside your time out to refresh refuel and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing life is good it's up to you to choose the bright side You're welcome, sweetie. Have a good day. The demand for healthcare professionals who deliver both comfort and critical care is growing. FindNursingSchools.com connected me with an accelerated bachelor's of nursing degree program in my area with expanded capacity so I could complete the program in 16 months. Now I'm on the path to an in-demand career that offers job stability, flexible schedules, competitive pay, and the choice of where to work. Visit FindNursingSchools.com to begin your journey today.